Dear St. Luke's, this is a difficult letter to write. It is about race, which we all know is such a tricky topic to address. We all have such different experience with it. I often find that when I try to talk with a white person about race, I am met with such a desire to prove that the person I'm speaking with isn't racist, they cannot even begin to hear what it is I'm trying to say. And the funny thing is, I'm never calling the person out on their behavior or anything like that. Usually, it'll be something they've brought up themselves, bringing a race issue to my door so that I can guide them on it. But this thing of race goes so very deep, the conversation is much bigger than anyone is ever ready for. I am usually just getting started when I feel the person trying to shut me down. I know that we are all trying in our own ways, but I feel that race gets overlooked by good people when they feel that they are not the problem. They feel that as they know they are not racist, it is not an issue that needs their attention. There are definitely issues that are in my blind spot. Trans issues are one of them. I know that because I have nothing but love and admiration for the people of that community, I have taken my eye off the ball. I have behaved in a way which leads me to a place where I haven't really engaged with their plight because I think I'm not the problem. But now I find myself in a place where I don't understand their experience deeply enough. I find myself in a place of not wanting to share my female spaces with men. And I am painfully aware that I have no idea of the nuance of their everyday lived experiences. I am reacting from a place of fear. Bad experiences with men have led me to want women-only toilets. But that is my fear. My fear stopping me from hearing their needs. I know what it's like to be part of a minority and to be told that your experience isn't valid. That the way you know you are being treated is a figment of your imagination or you have a chip on your shoulder. So I should know better, and I promise to do better. I promise to listen. I promise to check my own issues and fears and make sure they're not getting in the way of what my brothers and sisters are trying to tell me. There is so much for us to learn about the world and the myriad of people within it. I must get rid of the cloth in my ears. At work, just before lockdown, I came up against a race issue, as I often do. It was in rehearsals for a play, and I was getting the feeling that I was being asked to play a white woman without being explicitly asked to do so. So I raised it. I'm completely fine with playing a white person. I've done it before. I just think it's important to know that that's what I'm being asked to do. The room went cold. No one wanted to speak. I tried to make everyone feel more comfortable by saying something along the lines of, look, I know this is a difficult subject to talk about, but I think it's important and I'd love to be able to be open and talk about it. One of my 
white cast members who had been huffing and puffing while I was trying to ask my question then said, well, isn't it the same as me being Scottish when everyone else in the play is English? To which our director then said, yes, yes, it's exactly like that. To which another white cast member said, actually everybody was white apart from me and another person, he said, no, it's not like that because we live in an institutionally racist country and the audience doesn't receive a maca the way they receive you. I will love him forever for saying that. He spoke up for me. He didn't leave it to me to have to explain yet again, as I do so frequently in my everyday life. He felt qualified just as my fellow human being to speak into the issue. And I cannot tell you how golden that moment was. I won't forget it as long as I live. When we talk about progress, black people reaching high offices, etc., yeah, that's brilliant. But it's my white brothers and sisters speaking up on my behalf that is the real mark of progress in my eyes. I find it difficult when people save their race conversations for me. I find it difficult when I am only asked to read the black readings at church. Sorry. It hurts me when we talk about charity at church and the picture up at the front is of a starving person in Africa or India. I feel rage that these people are only in their predicament because of colonialism. I feel rage that those are the people we are raising money for when we have a prison and deprived neighborhoods on our doorstep. Yet we are all trying in our own ways. I am committed to the community of St. Luke's. I care about you all deeply. I keep coming back because I am awed by this group of people that gather together every week to try to be better, who gather together every week to renew a promise of putting good out into the world. Who am I to judge where other people are at with their journey when I'm still figuring things out for myself? All I can say is that I need you to hear me when I'm trying to speak. Even if you're sure that you're not the problem, I know I'm the problem sometimes. Trust me, no one is without bias. So I sign off making a pledge to try and look at my bias in the face and start dealing with them for the betterment of us, of our community, which I love so deeply. Lots of love, Amaka. Dear St. Luke's, when Amaka and I had the idea to write one another and the community letters responding to one another on the subject of race, it felt super scary and uncomfortable to speak about. It's an emotive subject that brings up all sorts of feelings within people of any race, but especially, I think white people feel worried that they'll get it wrong. And from me to you, we do get it wrong, a lot. When I hear Amaka read her letter, I can feel myself getting upset because 
I recognize myself in the things that she says. But the difference I'm trying to make, the new way I'm trying to learn to respond differently to that pain is, and to that upset is how I respond. It's to say, not to say, how can you say that and end the conversation, but to keep my heart open to learn something. Like Amaka said, we all have our blind spots. I know what it's like to be a woman. I know what it's like to have different identities, but I don't know what it's like to be a person of color. And yet, when I wake up and get ready for work and put on my dog collar, I put on the weight of an institution that not only benefited from slavery and colonialism financially, but used the words of God to justify it. So I felt like I should speak on this subject. I shouldn't just absent myself. And yet, can I do anything to steer this ship of an institution that I've signed up to lead and serve? It'd be easier for me to shrug and say, I don't have the qualifications. I'm too young, I'm too unimportant to make any decisions about we as a church, as the Church of England, how we address racism and inequality in our community. But that wouldn't be right. I think I've agreed with God when I took on this role that I represent a perfect institution and therefore I too bear responsibility. And so, therefore, I chose this reading from Zephaniah for our service today because I think it has an excellent message for communities who are divided and wounded as we all are in this broken world. A message for people who've gotten things wrong and continue to get things wrong. For people who've experienced and caused pain, division and sorrow and don't know how to walk back from that, who don't know how to admit wrongdoing, and start the hard work of repairing relationships. But God says, then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. On that day, you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done me. The church community isn't exempt from bearing the scars of institutional racism, no matter how unintentional. And yet, that isn't the end of the story. We also have a future where we serve God shoulder to shoulder with people of all races, all religions, all nationalities and ethnicities. But I don't think we're there yet. I don't think our lips have been totally purified. I don't think our haughtiness and our arrogance of empire or colonization is removed from our nation and our church psyche. But we return to God, who will have mercy who will be alongside us while we work out these big and scary and uncomfortable topics. My thoughts on this subject are not complete, and they may never be. They need to be continually worked on and turned over, so I've offered a few of my thoughts with humility and just a touch of reticence, hoping that you'll hear them with love. I think that we see the story of Israel throughout the Old Testament and see the story of a society that was continually getting it wrong treating each other poorly, being unable to exist in unity. But God never abandoned them. And I believe that God will not abandon us as we work out what parts of the church need to change, what parts we believe are godly, and how we tell the difference. The story of God's people continues in us right here, right now, in our Jewish and Muslim friends, in the communities around us, and in all the people of the world who strive for justice and equality. Lots of love, Liddy. Amen.